On Saturday, socialist septuagenarian loonbag Senator Bernie Sanders, independent of crazy land, took to Twitter to fire off a missive about how evil and terrible Americans are. Here's what he tweeted. Quote, we are living in a nation which worships wealth rather than caring for the poor. I don't think that is the nation we should be living in. Well, he can move. This isn't the first time Sanders has expressed this idea. In January, Sanders said America was, quote, not a compassionate society and stated, quote, our record is worse than virtually any other country on earth. This is stupid. First off, Sanders obviously worships government power rather than caring for the poor. The notion that the socialist nations with which he sympathized throughout his youth cared more for the poor than the greatest prosperity-generating nation in the history of mankind is absurd on its face. Sanders merely wishes he ran the world's wealth because he thinks he could allocate it better than billions of people exchanging free in free exchange goods and services all around the planet. In fact, he routinely stands against such free exchange. Second, the American people actually don't worship wealth in the way Sanders does. Mark Marxists are materialists. They think that all of human happiness amounts to material well-being. The American people willingly give of themselves far more than residents of any other country. The American almanac of philanthropy philanthropy, found that Americans, quote, out-donate Britain and Canada two to one, and nations like Italy and Germany 20 to one. What's more, more than half of every single income class except those earning less than 25 grand donate to charity. Greedy evil one percenters, we give one-third of all that charity, and the wealthiest 1.4% of Americans are responsible for 86 percent of the charitable donations made at death. America is by far the most religious country in the industrialized world. The notion we sit around worshiping money is a leftist conceit that identifies good middle-class living built around church and family as babbitry. But Sanders engages in just that sort of babbitry while ignoring community on his own. He owns three homes. And as for his claims that Americans are selfish, he donated about 8300 bucks to charity in 2014 on earnings of $205,000. That is half the percentage of income given to charity that the Clintons handed over. Not exactly the record of a man who proclaims that wealth means nothing and that the trappings of materialism must be shed in favor of redistribution. The media constantly pay attention to President Trump's Twitter feed. They should. But Sanders' Twitter feed is far more idiotical, and ideologically, it's actually more dangerous. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. So, tons to get to today. Obviously, lots of breaking news from the Hill. We will talk about what's happening at the Comey hearing on the Hill with the House Intelligence Committee and Trump-Russia ties and and Trump's accusations of Obama wiretapping. We'll also talk briefly about the Gorsuch hearings. We'll save some of that for tomorrow because they're happening contemporaneously with the show today. But... We have lots to get to even beyond that. But first, we have to say thank you to our sponsors over at Blue Apron. So if you want a good, solid, home-cooked meal, healthy, top-notch, but you actually don't know how to cook, you don't know anything about cooking, you don't know how to shop for the best ingredients, that's what Blue Apron is for. So Blue Apron has established partnerships with all of these farms and fisheries and ranchers across the United States, and they send you all of the best ingredients with the recipes so that you can make all the meals on your own. And it is the best home cooking system available on the market today. Not only does cooking build better family bonds, it's a lot of fun. I do it with my, my daughter all the time. It also means that you are going to spend more time with family and the food is better because the aprons are the, the, the recipes are created by, by Blue Apron. The ingredients are shipped to you in the proper quantities. And some of their upcoming meals, they have a different recipe every night and they never repeat the recipes. So listen to some, which is great. I mean, if you're someone like me who's stuck in a rut of having the same thing every Tuesday night, Blue Apron breaks that up for you. Here are some of their upcoming meals. Salmon piccata with orzo and broccoli. Vegetable chili and baked sweet potatoes with crispy tortilla strips. I mean, this is top-notch stuff. Stuff. Everybody I know is using blueapron.com and it's affordable for less than $10 per person per meal. They deliver those seasonal recipes along with pre-portioned ingredients to make delicious home-cooked meals. I say there's variety and it's guaranteed. If 
something comes and it's not ready to cook, they will make it right for you. Right now, if you go to blueaprons.com slash Shapiro, blueaprons.com slash Shapiro, you get those first three meals free with free shipping. It's like a $30 value by going to blueaprons.com slash Shapiro. You will love how good it feels and tastes to create incredible home-cooked meals with Blue Apron. Don't wait. It's blueaprons.com slash Shapiro, blueaprons.com slash Shapiro. Blue Apron is the best way to cook. Okay, so lots happening on the Hill today, so we will start with that. Not a good hearing uh, for, for President Trump on the Hill today. So James Comey, the director of the FBI, and the, and the National Security Administration head, who is Admiral Mike Rogers, they both basically came out and they said that Trump is, uh, is full of crap when it comes to Obama wiretapping him. Now, that doesn't mean that there were not Trump associates caught up in wiretaps of Russians. It doesn't mean that Trump associates were not wiretapped themselves, although we have no evidence of that. It does mean that Trump's accusation that President Obama wiretapped him or that he wiretapped Trump Tower Again, there is no evidence at all that this is true. So, you know, the, the idea that, that Trump keeps promoting it and keeps doubling down on it, he's destroying his own public trust with this thing at this point. So Comey came out, and first Comey said there was no evidence at all. He said, I have no information that supports these tweets. We have looked fully within the FBI. He said the DOJ had no information supporting President Trump's tweets either. He said no president could order a wiretap anyway because all electronic surveillance works through the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act courts. Which is not a surprise, because top Democrats and Republicans in the House and the Senate have already said they have no evidence to substantiate Trump's tweet. There were the accusations last week by Judge Napolitano on Fox News that British intelligence had been working with Obama to wiretap Trump. The National Security Administration head, Mike Rogers, he said in open testimony that any allegations that the British did this were, quote, utterly ridiculous. So there are all these reports from InfoWars that there were documents that were going to come out showing that Obama had wiretapped Trump. That appears to be, at least according to this testimony, a bunch of crap, which is not surprising. InfoWars tends to report things that are not true more often than, than other news sources. Um, and people buy into stuff because they feel like it confirms their pre-existing notions. There is a significant amount of confirmation bias in how people view the news, and so this is not good for Trump. Now, does this mean that the intelligence community leaking about Trump is anything decent? No, it doesn't. And so you have dueling narratives now. The narrative that you get from the left is that Trump was full of crap about the Obama wiretaps, and the narrative that you have from the right, from from people like you know people like me and people like the folks on Fox News, is that these these leaks regarding you know, the information about the Trump team and Russia and all of that. There's no reason that should be out in front. And that's true. There is something deeply awkward and wrong about having the FBI director going out there and discussing active investigations. This is also true during the campaign. Republicans don't have a huge leg to stand on here because they were perfectly happy to watch James Comey come out and reveal that there was an ongoing investigation into Hillary Clinton when there was actually no evidence that he ended up providing demonstrating additional proof of Hillary's guilt beyond that which we already knew in July when he basically exonerated her. James Comey is a terrible FBI director. <laughs> I'm just going to put that out front. James Comey, the FBI director, is awful at his job. He can't shut his face. He obviously wants to stick his foot into every public pie that is available. So there are really two pieces of breaking news from the Comey hearings. One, Trump's allegations about the wiretapping at Trump Tower, no evidence of those whatsoever. Is that going to stop people from believing it? No. And we'll get to that in a a second, because that is a major problem, is the idea that if you're rooting for someone, the truth is secondary. We've now been discussing this for well over a year. It's true among conservatives. It's true among leftists. The idea that truth is secondary to victory is something that's being promulgated at the highest levels, including from President Trump. It's also being promulgated on the left. You have President Trump who says things like, 
if CNN runs a poll I don't like, that's only because CNN is a failing news outlet. They're losers, basically. Their ratings suck, equating success with truth. And then on the left, you have people equating equating success with truth. In other words, if they get away with saying that Trump is an illegitimate president, even if it's not true, then that makes it okay. Right? The ends justify the means has become not just an ancillary part of politics, but the core of politics on both sides, and it's a really, really nasty negative thing. So that's piece of news number one. Piece of news number two is that Comey confirmed that the FBI has been, since July, investigating the Trump-Russia connections, Okay, which is not great. Okay, Not, not a great thing. That means that both presidential candidates in the last election cycle. You want to ride and vote for either of them? Both presidential candidates in the last election cycle were under active investigation by the FBI. <laughs> Both of them. Or at least their people were. Okay, Hillary Clinton was under investigation because of her emails, and Donald Trump's team was under investigation, apparently. Here is what Comey said, quote, The FBI, as part of our counterintelligence mission, is investigating the Russian government's efforts to interfere in the 2016 presidential election. And that includes investigating the nature of any links between individuals associated with the Trump campaign and the Russian government, and whether there was any coordination between the campaign and Russia's efforts. Now, we have to stop there for a second. Comey at no point said that he had uncovered evidence of actual collusion between the Trump team and the Russians as far as affecting the election. Now, Democrats have been out front saying that there is this deep collusion, it's obvious, it's open to anybody, and they're pointing at people like Paul Manafort and saying, look, Paul Manafort was Trump's campaign manager. Paul Manafort actually worked for Vladimir Putin. What more do you need than that? Well, you do need more than that if you actually want to have criminal charges or if you want to claim that the election was actually impacted in a deep way by Manafort, who was out pretty early on in the election cycle and replaced by Steve Bannon and Kellyanne Conway. So the idea that, that Manafort was the guy who was behind everything, that this was all some sort of big Russian plant. Are there suspicious ties between Trump campaign officials and Russia? Yes. Does that mean that the ties extend to Trump? No, it doesn't. It's quite possible that Trump, who is admittedly an ignoramus about the political system, that he just hired somebody who was seen as sort of a black ops artist, which is what Manafort was seen as. He hired him, and then he found out that Manafort had ties to the Russians, and then he had to fire him. Right? That's actually quite plausible. So the idea that this extends all the way up to Trump, and that there was active collusion between Trump's people and the Russians in order to affect the election on Trump's behalf, like Comey actually said in this hearing, there's no evidence that the shift in the Republican National Committee in the Republican National Committee platform, there the shifts with regard to Ukraine and Russia, he said there's no evidence that that is tied in any way to Russian influence. So, you know, a lot of this is speculation on the part of Democrats. So what we've got on both sides now is speculation on behalf of scandals that really are not materializing. We have speculation on behalf of scandals that are really not materializing on both sides. On the one side, you have people on the right speculating that Trump was a victim of, of Obama-esque wiretapping and that this is the end of the world. And they're just basically at this point speculating. They're basically just throwing stuff out there without a lot of evidence to back it up. And on the other side, you have the Democrats speculating that Trump is some sort of Russian plant without any evidence to back it up. And so what you end up with is a bunch of innuendo. And nobody trusts each other. And nobody knows what the hell is going on. And that is not a good state for government to be in at this point in time. It's not that you should trust the government. I don't think you should trust the government. I'm in favor of limited government. And I wish that all of this massive distrust in government actually led to people saying, okay, well, let's make the government that I don't trust less involved in my life. Unfortunately, what it seems to be doing is the opposite in a lot of ways, which is, I don't trust the government. Therefore, if we put in charge someone that I do trust, then everything will work out just fine. 
And that's not right. Okay, that's not right. Because just because you trust Trump doesn't mean he's telling you the truth. Just because you trusted Obama didn't mean that he was telling you the truth. They all have their own agenda. And the agenda at no point seems to cross paths even remotely with the truth. So, you know, that's that's disastrous. Yeah, just to give you some evidence that this is how people are thinking now. Adam Schiff, who is one of the people who is doing the questioning during this latest Comey hearing. Here's Adam Schiff talking about the level of circumstantial evidence of collusion between the Trump campaign and Russia. Look, collusion is is sort of what hasn't been proven here between whatever the Russians did and the Trump campaign. In fact, the former acting director of the CIA, who was a uh, Mike Morrell, who was uh, a supporter of Hillary Clinton, he essentially reminded people, took Director Clapper at his word on this show, who said there has been no evidence um, that has been found of collusion. Are we at the point of at what point do you start to wonder if there is a fire to all the smoke? Well, first of all, I, I, I was surprised to see Director Clapper say that because I don't think you can make that claim categorically as he did. Uh, I would characterize it this way at the outset of the investigation. There is circumstantial evidence of collusion. There is direct evidence, I think, of deception. Uh, and that's where we begin the investigation. Mm -hmm. uh, now, I don't want to prejudge where we ultimately end up. And of course, there's one thing to say there's evidence. There's another thing to say we can prove this or prove it beyond a reasonable doubt, or there's enough evidence to bring to a grand jury for purposes of a criminal indictment. But there is certainly enough for us to conduct an investigation. The American people have a right to know, and, and in order to defend ourselves, we need to know uh, whether these the circumstantial evidence of collusion and direct evidence of deception uh, is indicative of more. I assume that the direct evidence of deception he's talking about is Mike Flynn admitting that he talked to the Russians when he said he hadn't talked to the Russians. But, you know, again, this is just paper thin. It's just a tissue. It's just a tissue. And then you have Comey out there substantiating the tissue with nothing to back it. And so this is just going to lead to more speculation. This is why the intelligence community needs to stop talking. Okay, the intelligence community should not be out front discussing active investigations. This is Comey's fault. It is also the fault of a very, very leaky intelligence community that hates Donald Trump. So that is a third scandal and maybe the biggest one and maybe the biggest problem because the more information comes out that is unsubstantiated and there's no way to substantiate it, the more people are not going to trust either side and they're going to go back to their respective corners and the Republicans will talk to Trump and trust him and the Democrats will talk to Schumer and trust him and nobody in the center will actually have any place to go and nobody will know what the truth is. Because the people who are supposed to be investigating the truth keep dripping out little pieces of information that are not helpful in any way. And that is James Comey's fault. That is James Comey's problem. And so I don't think the Republicans are wrong when they, when they say that all of these leaks are a disaster. Eric Trump, you know, he was saying that, that leaking Trump's taxes is a problem. He's right. Leaking Trump's taxes is a problem. You know, it's really sad that we're in an environment where, you know, tax returns are leaked by, you know, whoever it may be and... I mean, it just, just think about it. I mean, just think about how dangerous that is, how third world that is of a practice that happened when personal information is being put out by people for political agendas. And it's, um, as a civilian, it's actually scary to me. Okay, and it should be scary. And I think that Eric Trump is right here. Rand Paul says the same thing. He says that there should be some investigation into the leakers regarding Michael Flynn and his calls with Russia. The intelligence community should not be leaking information on active investigations. I think that we know one thing for sure, that uh, the Obama administration did spy on Flynn. Now, whether it was direct or indirect, somebody was reading and, and taking a, con a, a transcript of his phone calls, and then they released it. 
It is very, very important that whoever released that go to jail because you cannot have members of the intelligence community listening to the most private and highly classified information and then releasing that to the New York Times. There can only there is true as well. So, again, just to recap, there are three scandals. OK, there's one that's real and two that really are not so real. The one that's real is the leaking scandal because it is obvious members of the intelligence community should not be leaking information that is against the law. It is against the law and it is a problem. It was a problem during the campaign. It was a problem for Hillary Clinton. It's a problem now. Okay, all of it is a problem. And James Comey does not make that any better. I think I think Comey has to go. Then, on the other hand, you have two other scandals, both of which seem to be paper thin and falling apart. One is Trump saying that Obama wiretapped him, paper thin, but Republicans believe it anyway. And the other is Trump and Russia were colluding, paper thin, but Democrats believe it anyway. None of this is good for our politics. And then there's something else that's really bad for our politics that I'll discuss in just a second. But first, I have to say thank you to our advertisers over at My Patriot Supplies. So right now, North Korea won't shut up. Okay, North Korea keeps saying over and over that they're going to nuke us. And you may not believe them until it's time for them to nuke us. Right? You don't worry about natural disaster either until the natural disaster has already happened. You don't worry too much about an earthquake or a flood or a hurricane until it's too late and it's hit you and all the grocery stores are cleaned out and you don't have anywhere to get the food and the government can't get to you. And that's why you need to go to preparewithben.com right now. Preparewithben.com or call 888-803-1413 and get your four-week supply of emergency food, 888-803-1413. This is just the, the cautious and proper thing to do. Preparewithben.com, a four-week emergency food supply for only $99. It lasts forever. Uh, it lasts for, what is it, 20 years? Uh, and uh, and that means that you're only going to have to do this once. Uh, so go to, just go do it, put it in your closet, forget about it until it's time for you to use the food supply that you were smart enough to buy in advance. Preparewithben.com, 888-803-1413. And apparently the food tastes really good, actually. I was told that by people in the office who have tasted it. Preparewithben.com, 888-803-1413. You never worry about an emergency until it's too late. Right now, you can get this off your mind. Right now, just go to preparewithben.com right now. Order that four-week emergency food supply. You never have to worry about it again, and that's the way it should work. Okay, so there is something else really nasty happening in politics, and that is we're undermining trust from both sides because we've barricaded ourselves in our own narrative without actually looking at the evidence. Is there evidence that Trump colluded with Russia? Not so much. Is there evidence that Obama wiretapped Trump? Not so much. And so we barricade ourselves in our sides and we just look for con confirming information. And that's exacerbated by all of the social media, which have algorithms that benefit sites that are like the ones you look at. So if you tend to look at sites on the right, you're going to be promoted to more sites on the right. And that means that you are further ensconced in this bubble. But the biggest problem, I think, is that our politicians just keep lying to us. They just keep lying for their own political benefit. And then the promises they make never materialize, which undermines trust on a grand scale. Roland Martin was talking about the fact that Trump care is now going to be up for a vote. And Trump care uh, should be up for a vote, I guess, this Thursday in the House. Trump has been promising for a long time. Nobody is going to lose their health insurance. Uh, health insurance is going to be available for everyone. He's been using Democrat language to talk about Trump care for a very long time, about health insurance for a very long time. And he made a bunch of promises that this bill is just not going to guarantee because Trump was talking in terms that the bill doesn't guarantee. Roland Martin, who's a Democrat, says this, but he's not wrong. Here he is. You've been had, you've been took, you've been hoodwinked, bamboozled, led astray, run amok. To watch these white working class voters upset and mad saying i voted for you and i'm going we tried to tell you this is what the main city was going to do now they're faced with the backlash of now they love the affordable care act and now republicans are in a box 
Okay, and he is he is not wrong that when you make promises to people and you can't fulfill those promises, that undermines trust. So in 2010, Republicans said that they were going to repeal and replace Obamacare. They didn't. In 2012, they said they were going to do it. In 2014, they said they were going to do it. In 2016, they said they were going to do it. And then the plan that they proposed doesn't actually do it. So I want to talk about the damage that it does when Republicans make promises to the white working class and to the working class generally, it's not just white working class, that they cannot keep and whether that makes a difference or not. And we'll talk about, can Republicans win by telling the truth? I think that is the big question in all of this, just generally. From the scandals to Trump care, I think the biggest question right now, can Republicans win by telling the truth, or is truth an obstacle to victory? And that means the truth has to go out the window in favor of some sort of higher truth, which is victory for central principles of conservatism. That is, I think, the great battle at the heart, at the beating heart of what's going on in the conservative movement right now. But in order for you to hear that, we're going to have to go over to dailywire.com and become a subscriber. $8 a month gets you a subscription to dailywire.com. If you become an annual subscriber right now, then you get a free copy of Reasons to Vote Democrat, a comprehensive guide. It is entirely thorough by Michael Knowles. It is 266 pages of goodness. Uh, you can check it out. Reasons to Vote Democrat, a comprehensive guide. It is a number one bestseller on Amazon. It was for like a week and a half. Uh, it sold tens of thousands of copies. You can get it for free, signed by our very own Michael Knowles, that genius Yale historian. Go over and check it out. You can get an $8 annual subscription, uh, the $8 per month annual subscription right now uh, means that you get uh, the, the copy of, of Michael Knowles' new book. Or if you just want to listen to the rest of the show later, go over to iTunes or SoundCloud. Leave us a review at iTunes. We are the largest conservative podcast in the nation. So here is the big unifying question for today. And it took all this wind up to get here, just like Rachel Maddow's show. It's like the, the, this is the big question for today. Do Republicans have to lie in order to win? So Donald Trump seems to be under the impression that the answer is yes. And that's why he fibs about whether he was wiretapped based on no evidence. And that's why the, he, he thinks that whatever fibs he tells about crowd size and popularity and polling, that all of that is justifiable because all that matters is winning. Basically, might makes right. Like, for example, this morning, Donald Trump was tweeting out about polling data. Now, there's a poll, a Gallup poll, that says that Basically, Trump is pretty unpopular at this point. The latest Gallup poll shows him a 37% popularity rating, favorable rating. That is not good, okay? If you're two months in and you're only at 37%, that's a problem. Here's what Trump tweeted. He tweeted, quote, Just heard fake news CNN is doing polls again, despite the fact that their election polls were a way-off disaster. Much higher ratings at Fox. Okay, so first of all, I think, you know, and I would have to look this up, that, that Donald Trump is not actually right about the 2016 election polls from CNN. The, the 2016 election polls from CNN actually show, I think, in the final result, uh, let me see if I can find the CNN, the, the last CNN poll. The last CNN poll, not the state-level poll, the national-level poll is what I'm looking for. It showed Trump losing by, I think it was three to four points. He ended up losing by pretty much within that margin. So, you know, when he says that all of these polls just, they didn't work, they weren't, they weren't right, I don't think that that's actually true. I, I think that, 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 number one, I don't think that's true. Yeah, the last poll from CNN showed Clinton up by, up by four. That was the last poll from, from CNN nationally. Um, okay, you know, does that mean that they were totally wrong? No, it doesn't actually mean that they were wildly off. On the national level, they weren't wildly off. That said, he's right that the polls were wrong, but I love that it's the end of that tweet that makes the difference, where he finally says much higher ratings at Fox. What does that have to do with anything? It's kind of telling. I think it's important to point this out. It's kind of telling. When he says much higher ratings at Fox, his suggestion is that truth is what makes you successful, but more importantly, that success is what makes you truthful. 
right? So he identifies being successful with being true. I believe that truth can make you successful, but not always. Trump believes that success, victory, is what makes you truthful. This is why he always describes his opponents as losers. It's why he always talks about the failing New York Times. He's always talking about people failing because he identifies might with right. If you are powerful, that must mean that what you are doing is true in some way. And this is also how he discusses foreign affairs. Right? Saddam Hussein was powerful. That means that he was killing terrorists and he was doing some good things. Vladimir Putin is a powerful guy, so he can't be all bad for his country. That's why he refuses to answer whether Putin is bad for his country. The answer, by the way, is yes. Vladimir Putin is very, very bad for his country. When you identify power with truth, you get into really dicey territory. And it's not just Trump. It's not just Trump. Democrats do it, too. They also identify power with truth. And that means anything that they have to do in pursuit of power is self-justifying. If you have to do really bad things to pursue power, that's okay, because your powerful status shows that what you are doing is worthwhile and true. This means that truth isn't just a secondary priority. It's an obstacle to power. Truth is an obstacle to power. If truth is ever an obstacle to power, that means that truth must be thrown out the window. Now, my view is that power on behalf of non-truth is not worthwhile. That power on behalf of lies is not worthwhile because it's self-defeating. And eventually, as Roland Martin says, people are going to catch on to the scam. This is, I think, what's happened with the Democratic Party across the country. The Democratic Party across the country has been running a scam since the 1930s. And the scam was you can have your cake and eat it too. You can have free everything. You don't have to pay taxes. We're going to run up the deficit. We're going to be able to pay for everything just off the basis of taxing rich people. And then it turns out none of that works, and they lose seats. All across the country, they've been losing seats. Truth has been winning. I know it doesn't feel like that for conservatives because you look at President Obama and you figure, well, we've been losing. That isn't true. Okay, that isn't actually true. On the state level across the country, Republicans are now dominant. Two-thirds of state houses are controlled by Republicans. Two-thirds of governorships are controlled by Republicans. Republicans control the House. They control the Senate. They control the presidency. Do I think that Donald Trump had to lie in order to become president? No, I don't. I really don't. And I don't think he has to lie now that he is president. I think Republicans should be in the business of telling people the truth about what Trump care is going to do, as opposed to fibbing to them the way that Obama did about Obamacare. You want to know what drove Republican gains in 2010, 2014, 2016, 2012 in the Senate? You know what drove those gains? What drove those gains was the fact that Barack Obama did lie in pursuit of power. He lied about what Obamacare was going to do, and then he paid the price. If Republicans lie about what Trump care does, they too are going to pay the price. Ted Cruz, I think, gets this exactly right. He says, look, we keep saying to people the premiums are going to go down. If they keep rising, we're going to get killed here. If, if Republicans hold a big press conference and pat ourselves on the back that we've repealed Obamacare and everyone's premiums keep going up, people will be ready to tar and feather us in the streets, and quite rightly. And he is exactly correct about this. He's not the only one saying it. Tom Cotton from Arkansas, he says the same thing. This is not going to bring down premiums, and it won't, by the way. Trump care is not designed to bring down premiums. Well- well, it, Jake, first, first, um, I agree that the legislation could provide more flexibility, more discretion to governors and legislatures. Uh, it also ought, ought to include tougher provisions on accountability. But second, there is an interaction between the Medicaid parts of this bill and the private market parts of this bill. Medicaid is a welfare program. It's primarily designed for the indigent elderly, the disabled, the blind, uh, and children. Uh, It's not designed for able-bodied adults. We want to get those people off of Medicaid, into a job, and into market-based insurance. That's one reason why I worry that the private market provisions of this bill aren't adequate to bring down premiums. Because ultimately, in in Arkansas, for instance, tens of thousands of people leave Medicaid every year. I want to make sure that the market uh, insurance system is working for them so they can afford health insurance and get off of Medicaid. Okay, so here's the problem for Trump. 
Trump's chief characteristic, according to the polls right now, he's not super popular, but there's one area in which Trump is very successful, and that is the vast majority, it's like 60% of Americans believe that Trump keeps his promises, that Trump follows through when he says he's going to follow through. What happens when it turns out all the promises that he's made on the basis of this big government economic nationalist platform? What happens when all of those fall apart? Do you think that it's going to work out well for Republicans and conservatism? Or do you think that we would have been better off telling the truth to people that there are costs and benefits to all of these programs, but in the end, the only responsible choice on a moral and economic level is individual freedom in the space of health care just like everything else? Wouldn't that be better? And yet Republicans keep fibbing. Paul Ryan keeps fibbing. He says, we're right where we want to be. Don't worry. Everything's great. I feel very good about it, actually. I feel like it's exactly where we want to be. And the reason I feel so good about this is because the president has become a great closer. So he's going to rely on Trump now. Now, do you think that Trump is going to stick by Ryan if this thing goes down in flames? Do you think that even if it passes and then it fails and it does really badly, right, the premiums rise and it's unpopular, do you think that Trump's going to stick by Ryan on this thing? Or do you think he's going to throw Ryan under the bus? Okay, power, the, 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 anybody who believes, whether it's Trump or Ryan, anybody who believes that power is more important than truth is not someone that you can trust to stand by your side when it comes down to a battle over power. So this whole kind of we're together, this kind of this, this facade of we're all on the same page, it's just not true. And when the pedal hits the metal, that is going to become very clear to everybody. Jake Tapper asked Ryan about this. You say that you and the White House are on the exact same page. How can you say that with all the distancing that we see that those close to President Trump or, or supportive of him right now are doing about your legislation. His well, friend Christopher Ruddy says the House Republicans are doing Trump a disservice. Trump strategist Stephen Bannon's website, Breitbart, attacks you day after day. You really think that you and the White House are on the same page? I actually do. I, I, look, those, those websites have been attacking me from day one anyway. I'm used to this sort of thing. This is the kind of thing that you deal with in this kind of a job. But they're trying to get the grassroots to oppose yeah, but, your bill. I. I that is not where the Trump White House is. The president's going to be talking about this tonight. Okay, so, you know, Trump is supposed to give a big speech tonight. We'll find out whether he keeps promoting Trump care as hard or whether he keeps making promises about people keeping their health insurance. If you're on Medicaid, obviously this is going to provide limitations on number of people available to Medicaid. That's a good thing. That's not a bad thing. And we can explain that tomorrow probably when we have a little bit more time. But, again, I think one of the problems here is if everybody is promising things they can't uphold, all you end up with is a dramatic lack of trust in the politicians. And that is ripe ground. That is ripe ground for anybody on the other side to claim a scandal that is only tissue thin and have people believe it. People will believe anything about someone they already think is untrustworthy. People will believe anything about a group of people in politics and government they already think are untrustworthy. And we keep having politicians on both sides. It's upsetting to me as a conservative. I believe that the first principle of conservatism is that truth matters. You know why truth matters? Truth matters because you have value as an individual. And when I lie to you, I am devaluing you as a human being. Taking lies as part of politics is not acceptable. Suggesting that lying is okay so long as it's someone on your side, that is not acceptable. You are devaluing people who have to make a free decision on the basis of information they are given. You cannot do that and see yourself as a decent human being. Lies are not acceptable in politics just because it's politics. Just because everybody else is cynical doesn't mean you have to be. And just because that cynicism sometimes results in victory doesn't mean it results in ultimate victory. Because ultimately, when you promise people things they can't deliver... When you promise people things that are not delivered, you end up undermining your own credibility, standing out to the side, saying, look, truth matters. Truth always matters. And if that means that sometimes we lose, that means sometimes we lose. In the end, the only things worth winning are the things that are based on truth. 
And I know there's this mentality that now dominates uh, among a certain segment of Republicans that says, okay, well, if we have to lie here, here, and here in order to get the bigger truth, conservatism through, that'll be okay. That's not how it works. If you have to lie here, here, and here in order to get conservatism through, if you have to pretend to be a Democrat on nine issues in order to get that big tenth one through, all you're going to end up with is those nine issues being debunked, and your eventual 10th victory is going to be torn away. This is what Barack Obama found out on the left. He lied about Obamacare a thousand times, and now Obamacare is on the ropes, and it should be. And right now, if Republicans lie about what they're going to replace it with, they're going to be on the ropes too. Lies do not pay off. And I was, telling, I was talking to my father about this over the weekend. I was talking about how in politics, it's really funny. In politics, bad things happen to good people a lot in politics, but it's very rare that only good things happen to bad people. Pretty much, politics has a, a real way, in American politics anyway, because the American people uh, may be late to the party, but, they, but there is a certain wisdom to the American people. Eventually, there are consequences to you being awful. Uh, pretty much everybody gets punished in American politics, bad and good, but when it's punishment of a bad person uh, or punishment of a lie, the results are almost entirely, uh, uh, almost entirely tailored to the original lie. So, for example... The greatest justice for Hillary Clinton is to spend her entire life lying and cheating and stealing in order to get ahead and then be beat by the easiest person to beat in a presidential election in history, Donald Trump. Right? That is perfect justice. A guy who lies routinely and also cheats and is, is not, by any stretch of the imagination, a wonderful human being. To be beat by Donald Trump is the greatest justice for Hillary Clinton. Barack Obama spends eight years thinking of himself as a statesman and a, and a leader and somebody who's been able to enhance the quality of America's discourse. And he is replaced by a bloviating former talk show host, right? He's replaced by a reality TV star of The Apprentice. And Obama has to look at Trump and know deep down in the cockles of his, of his tiny heart that Donald Trump is the bizarro world reflection of Barack Obama, that they're basically very similar characters. Perfect justice for Obama. This is the problem. The more sins you commit against the American people, the harsher the judgment will be when it eventually comes. Okay, time for some stuff I like and then some stuff that I hate. So, stuff that I like. Uh, over the weekend, I went and I saw King Kong Skull Island with my wife. Um, I'm normally not like a big monster movie fan, but I do like... The, the original King Kong is a great movie from 1933. It's a really fantastic movie. Uh, all the remakes have been pretty bad. Uh, the Peter Jackson version, there was like a one-and-a-half-hour good movie buried in three-and-a-half hours of filmmaking. Uh, in, in Kong Skull Island... It's really entertaining. It's really well done. There are, there are some problems with it. So the big problem with, with Skull Island, first of all, is that you know Tom Hiddleston is in it. Tom Hiddleston isn't really in it. Tom Hiddleston basically stands around with a gun and looks like he does in this poster right here. Right? That's, that's basically his entire role. The, the, the entire movie is on this poster. Brie Larson standing there looking scared. That's her entire role in the film. The part of the film that's really irritating is that they attempt to do some sort of anti-war messaging in the middle of a film about a giant monkey, okay, a, a giant ape. It's really stupid. So this is supposed to take place in 1973. First of all, they get the history wrong. So they suggest that Americans were uh, in, in the military were really upset and disillusioned by the peace deal of 1973, that then the Nixon peace deal that basically solidified South Vietnam as an independent republic. Uh, and they, they treat it like America lost the war in 73. America didn't lose the war in 73. America lost the war in 75, 76. Right? America pulls out in 75, and that's when the war is truly lost. Okay? But they treat it like Samuel L. Jackson is basically Colonel Kurtz. Okay? They do Apocalypse Now with Samuel L. Jackson, that he is this colonel who is 
unsatisfied with the results of the war, and they send them to Skull Island to go and check out these giant monsters, and he decides that he's going to revenge himself on Kong as some sort of revenge against uh, what happened in Vietnam. Again, this is a very lefty rewriting of what happened in Vietnam. They seem to forget that the Viet Cong, after the fall of Saigon, rushed into Saigon and murdered literally tens of thousands of people, that the Cambodians, led by Pol Pot, they murdered a million people. The Vietnamese boat people literally got into rickety old boats and launched off into the shore of the Pacific Ocean in order to avoid being in Vietnam. That the people we were fighting in Vietnam were actually pretty evil. The communists were actually pretty evil. Ho Chi Minh was an evil guy. They ignore all of this, and they try to rewrite it as, as America was bad. And so what that means is that you know Samuel L. Jackson is the Colonel Kurtz terrible guy. How dare he? Um, that's a problem. Brie Larson, they make her, she, she's supposed to be heroic because she's an anti-war photographer. That just shows how wonderful she is. No, I mean, she's kind of jerky, actually. She's kind of obnoxious. Um, but it is not an anti So they try to draw this line, the same line the left's been trying to draw, really, since after Vietnam, which is anti-the-war, pro-the-military. So they, they, they portray the military guys as pretty good guys overall. They're not bad guys. Um, and, uh, but the, the movie itself is really good. The monster sequences are great. I mean, the stu- all the stuff between Kong... And uh, and the what do they call them? The bone crawlers or something? Uh, the skull skull crawlers is what I, something like that. Uh, is uh, all all the graphics are really really good. There's some really intense scenes. My wife, who hates monster movies, really enjoyed the film. Here's what some of the preview looked like. These are photos of an island in the South Pacific, the place where myth and science meet. Use explosives to shake the earth, helping us to map the surface of the island. You're dropping bombs. Mm. Scientific instruments. Is that a monkey? that thing was out here i'm sorry for your man colonel but if you want to make their sacrifice worthwhile it is home with proof monsters exist your friend there can put that down so the movie's actually, it, it's, it's a really fun adventure flick. Um, they, they, again, the anti-war messaging really overtakes a lot of the film, and that's really irritating. So John C. Riley is this World War II pilot who accidentally landed there after being shot down by a, a Japanese pilot, and the Japanese pilot's also shot down, and they become friends, which is sort of a peripheral part. But there's one point where he says, if it weren't for the war, me and whatever the Japanese guy's name, we, would, we, were, we were brothers. And it's like, okay, I, I understand Hollywood has this obsession that the only good war ever fought was the war against the Nazis. Like, they really think this. If you, if you watch The Pacific from HBO, this is a constant theme among, among Democrats. The only good war that was ever fought was the war against the Nazis. Okay, that was a good war. Yes, the war against the Nazis. Terrific war. Glad we fought it. Glad we defeated Hitler. That was a wonderful moral imperative. It is a, an incredible thing that was, that was done. Also, the Japanese in World War II were horrific. Horrific. Yeah, and the attempt to turn the, the war against the Japanese in World War II into the Vietnam War and to turn the Vietnam War into basically Grenada is ridiculous also. Okay? On the face of it, 
the, all of this is silliness, but I think that the, the rule for the left is as long as Americans are fighting white people, it's an okay war. As long as Americans are fighting non-white people, that means it's a terrible war based on xenophobia and atrocity, which is just stupid. Again, that stuff is super irritating because without that, this is actually a terrific, terrific monster flick. Uh, so this week we're going to do monster flicks, and that leads it off. Okay, things that I hate. So there's been a lot of controversy over the weekend over Tommy Lahren. So Tommy Lahren, um, I was on her show once, I think. She seemed like a nice enough gal. Um, she did she did a, a thing on The View, um, and The View will never have me on, I would imagine, uh, because mainly because I've said things like uh, The View, the collected IQ of The View could toast a piece of bread lightly, perhaps. Uh, I've said that it's a bunch of uh, idiots jabbering at one another. Uh, I've not been kind in my treatment of The View, and I believe that that is uh, fully accurate and, in fact, understates the case. The View is an awful, awful show filled with people who don't know what the hell they're talking about. Whoopi Goldberg on politics is sort of like me on ancient art. Okay, I don't know much about it, but I can give you an opinion. Okay, that's Whoopi Goldberg on politics. In any case, Tommy Lahren uh, of, of The Blaze was on The View, and she got herself in hot water because she said this about abortion. No, I'm pro-choice, and here's why. I am a constitutional, you know, someone that loves the Constitution. I am someone that's for limited government, and so I can't sit here and be a hypocrite and say I'm for limited government, but I think that the government should decide what women do with their bodies. I can sit here and say that as a Republican, and I can say, you know what, I'm for limited government, so stay out of my, my guns, and you can stay out of my body as well. <sighs> okay, so, number one, this logic is asinine. Okay, the idea that you want to protect human life is not a governmental intrusion. Nobody wants the government in somebody else's body. There is a child in there, however, and the child deserves protection. The idea that it is hypocrisy on the right to be in favor of smaller government but also want life protected is just stupid. I'm in favor of smaller government. I am not anti-police. I am in favor of smaller government. I am not anti-military. I want life protected. I want life protected at every stage. And the idea that I give two hoots about any part of a woman's body except for the baby growing inside of it, which is an independent human life, that is just ridiculous. So on, on the logic of it, she's wrong altogether. Then there is the broader question of, is the conservative movement too apt to fall for particularly pretty faces who say things about politics that are oppositional to the left rather than people who have actually spent one iota of time reading things? Uh, and this is a general problem of the entertainment political complex. It's not unique to the right. Uh, it definitely happens on the left as well. Um, it is, I think, one of the reasons why President Trump is president right now. The merger of, of politics and entertainment, which has been pushed by both sides of the aisle, leads to people who are good-looking and entertaining, but often ignorant about politics, speaking about politics in very high, you know, high-resonant settings. And that's what's happened to Tommy Lahren. I've never seen her be, I think, particularly persuasive. I, I don't think that she knows a lot about founding philosophy or about conservatism per se. I think that she reacts. I think she's very good at what she does. I think that she's talented on TV. Um, yeah, I, they're the only, I will say there was one time I thought Tommy Lauren was great, and that's when she was on Comedy Central, and someone tried to, or she was, she was on with Bill Maher is what it was, and Bill Maher tried to get trip her up. Somebody try, on that show tried to trip her up with who are the people who died at Benghazi, and she reeled them off. That was a great moment for Tommy Lauren. But the idea that Tommy Lauren is a foremost public intellectual on the right in the first place is really troublesome. Again, this is not to say that Everybody who speaks on the right has to be, you know, a Harvard Law degree guy. Okay, I understand that's not something that I think is necessary. But 
Regardless of your intellectual background, you should promulgate good ideas, and you should not lie about the ideas you're supposed to be promulgating. Tommy Lahren, when she says that you're a hypocrite if you're pro-life and also small government, uh, is just wrong. She's being ignorant. Uh, she's being silly. And there's been a whole series of videos showing her switching her positions for political convenience. Again, conservatives, I implore you, before you pick heroes, I've only said this about 80,000 times in the last six months, before you pick heroes, determine whether they know what in hell they are talking about. Before you pick heroes, determine whether they have read a book. Okay, before you pick people who you think ought to be models for your side, determine whether they are capable of making good, powerful, consistent, philosophically cogent arguments instead of whether you find them appealing on TV. Okay, we'll be back tomorrow to talk about all of this stuff while I'm appealing on TV. And we will talk about the Gorsuch hearings. Donald Trump is supposed to give a, a, big, a, a big speech tonight, I'm sure, after today's Comey hearings. There will be a lot for him to say. So we'll be back tomorrow with lots more to talk about. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, Pure Talk believes in American values and that free should mean, you know, like free. So when you switch to Pure Talk today, you'll get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. There's no four-line requirement, no activation fee, just a free Samsung that's built to last with a rugged screen, quick charging battery, and top-tier data security. Qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks a month for unlimited talk, text, 15 gigs of data, and a mobile hotspot. Pure Talk gives you phenomenal coverage on America's most dependable 5G network. It's the same coverage you know and love, but for half the price of the other guys. The average family saves almost $1,000 a year. So, I challenge you to choose a company that actually doesn't hate your guts and shares your values. Let Pure Talk's expert U.S. customer service team help you make the switch today. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro to claim your eligibility for your free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone and start saving on wireless today. Again, go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro to switch to my cell phone company. I've been using them for years. They're fantastic. You'll love them as well. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro and claim your eligibility on that free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone. Start saving. 